All right. All right. Yeah. Uh, You guys want to start the show? Let's start the show. Welcome to Saturday Morning Serial, that podcast where, you know, we celebrate all the themes of those old TV shows on Saturday morning we grew up with. And in so doing, we have come to the realization that those themes themselves have grown up with us. Track that sentence on your own, listener. Uh, speaking of listening, you hear that? That voice? That's me, Dan Grimshay. I'm your host, except no substitutes. But you may listen to some of these other voices. Uh, let's go around the room so that we're not all strangers, everybody. Start over here. Uh, Mark E., my cohort, are you with us? Hello, Denshay. Oh, already in the spooky season. Frightened the bejesus out of me. Uh, for a calming bomb, I'm looking over to uh, the other side of the room at Jimmy the Gent Lazinski. Are you with us? This is Jimmy the Gent. Mm-hmm. A little more pleasing, but still, I can tell you're trying to scare me. Uh, and also, it was becoming uh, a rare and and wonderful twist. We've got another episode with our good friend Johnny Heck. Johnny Heck, I got to have you sound off, and don't try and scare me. Uh, I didn't know we were going to be doing voices, so I'll just say, "Heyo, happy Halloween!" There you happy go. That's easy on this old heart. Happy Halloween, everybody! It is. That's correct. The Frankenberry seventh annual special here on Saturday morning uh, TV, you know, because I want to cut right to it. Take your time. Uh, Monster cereals from General Mills. You know, we love them. You know, we eat them. Uh, And this is the, this is the season, but this is a special season. They finally, uh, to our knowledge, have broken out of the target lock. Some contract somewhere expired. And what a season it's been, Marky. Give me the give me the rundown. Where have you seen them? Where what have you seen? What what have you eaten? Yeah, well, uh, yes, everybody, welcome to the seventh annual Frankenberry season show. This is our version of a Halloween special. This is the most Halloweeny you're going to get out of us. Um, and yeah, we actually here, this here. is this is also kind of the one time a year where we really do talk about cereal, and it's because my favorite cereal of all time is. Frankenberry. I just love Frankenberry. And for a little while there, it was gone. You couldn't find it anymore. I don't remember it. They were they they spit in my face and I had no pleasure <laughs> whatsoever. They, they uh, told you it was a Mandela effect. It never existed. That's right. And then um the craziest thing happened was in I think it was in 2016. I was uh shopping and uh, I was at a Target and then I saw them. It was Whoa. yeah. 
Well, yeah. and uh, I saw Chocula. I get that one. I saw Frankenberry. I saw Booberry, and I was like, "What the hell's going on?" And they turned it into a seasonal thing, and I was just like, "I have to go pick some Frankenberries." It's Frankenberry <laughs> season, is what I. That's that is the origin of now the seventh annual Frankenberry season show. We also talk about. Um, some kind of horror movie thing because I hate horror movies. So this is the one time a year where I'm going to try to watch one. And we usually have a really cool bunch of guests that are horror adjacent, right? Grimshay. You know what we do actually, I forget, you know, before we get into this monster cereal business, Marky, I wish you just would have shut up. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We've got some guests today. Wouldn't you know it? As always, you know, just some big time celebrities. Uh, one Katie Sackoff. Ooh, Battlestar Galactica. If you've ever watched Katie any Sackoff? television in the last wow. 20 years, you know her. Uh, Bo Katan from Star Wars. What? Okay, go on. Yeah, I think that checks out. That scans. Uh -huh. But not just that, we've also got one Josh Dumel. Oh, the if you've seen guy. any Michael Bay movie in the last 30 years, you've <laughs> probably come across his beautiful head of hair. Past oh, yeah. and future um, guests. I wish I had it. They're both, luckily, we're able to talk to them about a little project called Night of the Animated Dead, which we'll discuss a little bit more later. Uh, uh, truth be told, that's been out for a year. Yes. So I we're feel like we're this. relieved yeah. if we accidentally get into spoiler territory. That's on you. We waited a year. Fingering the pulse of out. pop culture as usual. <laughs> yeah. Well, we actually, well, we actually wanted to do this last year, but again, we only do, we try to do horror movies just once a year. And last year, uh, for the seventh annual, oh, for the sixth annual Frankenberry season show, we actually did uh, Batman: The Long Halloween, which was um, excellent, fantastic movie. And then we also, which did... I believe we recorded in 2020. So yeah, it was... I'm seeing a theme here. And that was from two years wow. earlier. And, uh... Yeah, but that was yeah, one of our longer yeah. episodes. Yeah, we just it was just a very full slate of Halloween adjacent properties last year. We but the reason why that we saved this is because these are awesome guests. It's a really cool movie. I did get a chance to see it myself because they sent it to me. You guys can win you guys can win my screener copy a little bit later uh in the show. So that's great. But yeah, uh what it is and uh Jimmy, maybe you can kind of get into it a little bit more, but um I think I this is a, you know, Romero like it's inspired by the original script. Is it a shot for shot remake? What is the animated Night of the Living Dead? Well, it's an animated take on the Living Dead, George Romero's 1960s classic. It uh it is not shot for shot. They plus up some of the violence and some of the scenes and the and uh and they changed the script a little bit, but it's mostly the same script. I would say having seen both um and a pretty big fan of the original. I would say it's at least 80% of the original, maybe 90% of the original script. They just, they, they take a few liberties with the visual interpretations, not so much the, the script. seems like they ratcheted up the, the gore. Yeah. See, there's a couple scenes attacks. where there's a little more, there's a little more gore. And uh, at, I think they, they changed the ending slightly, but I'm not going to ruin it for you. Yeah, it's from, not um, like the original was known for snappy mammoth like dialogue. No, or anything. Anyway, it was a very visual movie to begin with. Hey, more, I, more known for biting dead people. I didn't expect uh, Rick from The Walking Dead to show up. That really. Oh shit! Spoiler alert. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> huh? 
Yep. That show's still on TV too. Uh, it's been a yep. long. That's what they tell me. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Apparently yeah. we just so haven't Night of the Living the Dead yet. Many many years ago, over well, six sixty years ago, birthed almost sixty years ago, birthed all this wave of zombie love that we have today. Right. That's it's uh, Walking Dead, which has like what four or five spinoffs now. Uh, Dawn of the Dead is the sequel. Lots like any that was the first movie. And I don't, I'm pretty sure they don't use the word zombie in that movie, but that was the first movie that depicted zombies. Yeah, I don't, plenty, I, of, plenty of things don't use the word zombie, but are full of zombies. Yeah, I think they actually called them ghouls in this particular movie. I don't know if they did in the original um, Night of the Living Dead, but they, yeah, they were actually calling them ghouls. And they, they actually did it like of the original time era. So like, you know, there was... There was moments where they're all, you know, they have to kind of get the news from the radio. There's no cell phone. You know, it's really hard to make a horror movie nowadays because of cell phones, right? So if you're going to do Night of the Living Dead. Uh, you mean because all the actors leave their phones on? Yeah. Pretty, <laughs> no, I, what, I, what I mean is that you would, you would just call for help. You know, I mean, it's just kind of kills the movie. So I think if you were to do a modern horror movie, you have to take the phones away. And that's what The Walking Dead did, right? It was... There was such a plague that, you know, the cell towers are no longer working. There was no infrastructure. There's no communication. So, you know, you would have to do that in any kind of horror movie setting. You have to, you know, you have to have a scene. You have that. You got to have that scene where they're like, oh, I don't have any bars of reception. I'm going to die. You know, you have to have that. In, or, in yeah, show. or my phone falls in the toilet. There's all that you have. to. Yeah. It's it's it's, yeah. it's a challenge to write in the reason they don't have cell phones. Correct. And so. And so what they wisely did is they, you know, they didn't try to like, you know, modern up the actual script. They just made it animated and it is, it's gory. And I, I watched it and I don't particularly like horror movies because I don't like to be uncomfortable, but, and I'm watching this because I think I could get away with it. You know, this is just a cartoon. I could just going to, no, animation is just a medium. Like it's not a genre, right? Horror is a genre. And this is a horror movie. And it's what, medium's what animated, but it was scary. I thought it was scary. So I you was still had trouble with it. Yeah, yeah. I was uncomfortable. Like, you know, I'm watching it kind of like, uh, you know, like, and I'm like, that guy's going to die. That guy should die. She's going to die. Looking across you know, the like, internet, I can tell you still have all the lights on in your room. Yeah, I, I sleep with the lights on. Yeah. <laughs> what, what would you call the type of animation? Because it wasn't like kind of true to form, like realistic kind of animation it, it you know it, the animation kind of seemed a little old school too yeah I mean, it's still like sharp but i might say minimalistic like... yeah and i think minimalist. so too but that almost those... sounds like a like the the art form i mean it like what was that uh that amazon show and the name escapes me jimmy i know you know it the the one with uh jk simmons uh the oh, invincible superhero invincible invincible, invincible. Yeah. That's what I said. Yeah, like it was that yeah, same that thing. Like they drew it like, <laughs> like the '80s, you know, Saturday morning, right? You know, Spider-Man show. Like, um, like, like, like there, um, there was no like leaves, like twirling on trees. Like it was just like, like if you saw a like car, the car was moving like along the the picture, but the trees don't move. There's no like background movement. It, it's almost like you take a stick figure and you're kind of 
yeah. make it move across the screen. Yeah, it's very minimalist, but you, there's there's a lot of ways that you can have like jumps and frights out of that. And I, you know, I, like it was very choppy, and it was very it was kind of unsettling, is the way that I saw it. Uh, two things I I think are worth note is that uh, they a lot of the staff, uh, not staff, a lot of the cast is shared with Batman the Long Halloween. And while they had him in the booth doing that, they knocked out this, the remake of Night of the, Night of the Animated Dead, right? So I, I feel like, and this was done over COVID when, the, you know, I've, I'm sure everybody remembers that. Still fresh in everybody's mind where we thought this might be a zombie apocalypse on the, on the cusp. But I, I, I feel like the minimalist um, approach to it is a bit of a nod to the original, which was kind of shot on a shoestring. It's done in black and white. And, uh, you know, uh, the the minimal approach to it, I think, amplifies when there's gore. Like it, it, it focuses, it puts a shines a light on the gore and makes that more prominent when you do when it does get to that part. I agree, and it, and I I was not comfortable watching it, and that means it's a good movie. <laughs> it's a good horror movie. So, uh, so Mark, yeah, I totally recommend thing. it. Yeah. Raises his hand over his face and just kind of peeks through his fingers a little that's, bit. That's exactly right? what yeah. I was doing. Like I was, and I, and I thought I was going to get away with watching a horror movie this year. Uh, and I was like, oh, I was just going to sit down. Well, you and... made it through, right? I'm gonna oh yeah, goose. I watched it. I, I made it to the end where they healed all the zombies and everything went back to normal. They rebuilt the town. You saw that <laughs> yep. part, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, ah, see, sir, uh, you've fallen for my trap. And I'm not talking shit either. I'd watch it during the day with the blinds open, the door open. Uh, with a like revolver in my hand, man, I'm not, I'm not messing around, right bro. Well, that was that that was one, one eye those... on the door, one eye on the TV. Exactly. <laughs> the original came out what in '79 or something? No, '60 something. '60 said George Romero's. It'll come to me. Hold on. My living uh, dead. It'll come to me. Click, click, click. Hold on. <laughs> Clickety, click, 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 click. Uh, that's, that's just how he thinks. Tap my brain 19, over and over. Thinking, 19 and 68. 19 and 68. Okay. Yes. Yeah. God, he was young, man. He was Romero? Yeah. He must That be. is, I mean, that is, that's actually a little bit surprising, but it's. He was born talk in about 40. the granddaddy of stuff. I mean, that was. That must have been a cult movie. You know what I mean? Even for the 60s, where it's, oh, yeah. well, I, don't know I think it had, a, it had a got, decent but... run, but like once it came on TV and, and got shown at like late night theaters is when it got when it and it rose to its cult, if you will, status. Yeah, yeah that's that's, and, what, uh, that's what I'm picturing like this. this my dad used to torture me with this movie. I shared the story with our guests, so I won't share it now, but uh uh, yeah, I have a very uh, a lot of visceral memories of this movie growing up as a kid watching it on late night TV. Well, it came with its own like cache of credentials as like like I remember that and The Exorcist and a couple others just being like sort of on that furthest forbidden fruit tree. Like you've got to know the right friend, go to the right sleepover. If oh you're gonna yeah. be able to see it and if you do it might change you forever like like well, a faces yeah. of death kind of you always have that like that, that one friend disappoint <laughs> that, that one friend whose parents kind of didn't give a shit or they just got drunk and passed out you're like what you got mm -hmm. in the vhs cabinet you know yeah. well yeah and, the stepdad so already had it like a third generation pirated copy on vhs or something 
can I can I play something for you guys? It's literally just a minute. This is a this is how I know of George Rowe Marrow's work. Like, and I believe this used to play like Saturday's matinee time. So it was like after the cartoons. I that's my memory of it. But so you a, uh is you this just flip? All is, right, is, Sam. Is this, play this. Roll play it. This. Is this just I'm you play under this. the bed shivering? Go. Man, I love that show. Tales from the Dark uh, yeah. Side. Yeah, I don't know if you guys remember that, but it was like um, I used to watch. Like I remember when that theme music used to come on, that kind of haunting chime, and it would like it's like a car driving like in a like on an old country road, and you see a bunch of aspen trees and an old fence and like a barn or something, and it like and just that kind of voiceover. And then yeah, it was kind You're of going like to a, a cabin in the woods. Yeah, we yeah, don't have to, to it, watch it now. It was, like, it was scary. Like it was scary, and I used to watch that show when I was a kid. Like, and it was, you know, it was like, um, uh, like a Twilight Zone, Tales from the Crypt kind of thing, where it would like just an anthology, yeah, like an anthology thing. And it was, it was horrifying to me. That that music still, it's the same thing. It kind of like the the hair on the back of my, uh, like on my back, uh, uh comes up uh, back there. <laughs> from your crack to the nape of your neck. It's all rising, eh? <laughs> Yeah, I'm yeah, like a, didn't they, didn't like they a do a, a movie too? A Tales from the Dark Side movie. I'm not aware of that. I Maybe I. To, I mean, I would. Uh, I remember, you know, uh, Tales from the Crypt. Uh, uh, there, there was a Tales from the Crypt movie. One. Yeah, there was a, a movie. creep show. There was a creep show one. Yeah, but yeah, so that was my. And the other thing that I think that he did was, um, remember that that mechanical monkey with the. The symbols he monkey did shines. Monkey shines. shines. Yeah, he did that too. And I I saw that movie when I was a kid too. And you know, so I don't know if I was a Night of the Living Dead guy, <laughs> but I've seen a lot of his work. You know, as I as I grew up, and you know, there's these are very like these are like those cultural milestones. You know, that fucking monkey doing that Dude, thing that was horrifying. I, we, were, yeah. we were talking about video stores the other day, just you know kind of just chat amongst us betwixt us and i've never seen monkey shines but that fucking box is burnt that vhs box is burned into my head like i can yeah. never unsee that same with like a lot of romero movies between creep show and all that i mean i remember as a kid even just walking by and going nah man i'm not even walking by this section it freaked me out without without monkey shines there's no chucky like th there's that's the line yeah I mean, it's like it's it's this it's this horrifying toy and it's like i don't i don't remember what the story was i think he's like a curse and every time he hits that thing somebody dies or something but like it was just horrifying so, and he was he was like a handicapped guy and this monkey was supposed to 
Oh boy, that is. But that definitely borrows from something. I, they, they like horror shot. has a rich, deep culture going back to, I don't know, somewhere in the Victorian era or something in English language. There's just spooky stories out there, like Curse of the Monkey's Paw. Yeah, I remember that. I've I seen mean, that. I remember God, that. I mean, horror is good in small little doses. Yeah. That's why those anthology shows work. How did we get here? What were we talking about? We were talking about cereal, monster cereal. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Let's and, get back to uh, the monster cereal. The actual news, we, uh... the the big monster cereal news, everybody, is that uh, Fruit Brute is back. Fruit, I know. Fruit, Did you get any this back. season? I haven't found any. People are gobbling that up, man. You know why? It's because of Quentin Tarantino. That's why. I don't know if you guys knew this, and we've we've covered it on a couple of other Frankenberry um, episodes, but uh, Quentin Tarantino has put Fruit Brute boxes in two of his movies, Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction. And I think that's why as soon as somebody sees that box, collectors just go and they they swoop that up. So people have finally watched those movies? Yeah. Well, and, it's, uh, it's been missing from the shelves. So as soon as that fruit brute hits every, you know, every five years or 10 years or whatever. It is. You know, it's a, well, it's like I even read an article mentioning that that's the most sought after vintage cereal. If you say yeah. vintage, that makes me think collector. Yeah. Say collector. That makes me think, you know comic-con type yep. uh well we've Merck, we've had those guests uh, on our show before order like marquee yeah. and then uh and then i just think scalper and so of course you can't get that cereal <laughs> yeah. yeah mark's walking down in san diego as a trench coat on just opens it he has a cereal box <laughs> it's just hanging there he's like man Got some fruit, fruit, bro. Hey, straight loose sight. Hey, you, you like cereal? Stomach, just like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You like yeah, cereal? Come check out my tr the trunk of my car. Yeah, I, got more, <laughs> I got more cereal over here. Got a handful of this chocula for free. Uh, well, well, see, I noticed this was back in August. No joke. Uh, that Vons, the supermarket chain, had a big display of the monster cereal. This is in August. Mind you, oh, that's sure. the height of summer. I still bought some booberry, ate it all. I got to tell you, I don't think there's as many marshmallows this year. And I think if you compare it to like 20 <laughs> years ago, there's a huge drop off. They've just slowly been taking like marshmallows out of a box every year. Well, I well, got to I... tell you, I don't think those are marshmallows, bro. <laughs> <laughs> those are monster mellows, I believe. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, though, like my like normal operating procedure is I kind of eat around all the marshmallows. And then by the time I got that pink milk, I'm scarfing down the freaking. It's just it's just a bowl of marshmallows at that point. I, I, mean, I feel like you used to be able to do that. But now I will go through yeah. two whole bowls avoiding the marshmallows. And I eat so much of the fake oat bits doused in deep purple dye, yeah. which I know is going to give me booberry bumps. Uh, and the, uh, but then I still literally, I've got like maybe 14, 18 tops marshmallows out of those two giant bowls that I'm already full on. Yeah. When I was a kid, if I went through two bowls, man, I would have, a, I, they would be piled up on each other. I think you're right. You have to slap the marshmallows away. It's like too much. Well, I think <laughs> too many I, marshmallows. Picking marshmallows out of it. On a, I think on we're a, just. I think we're we're LP. actually just lucky to have it at all. I mean, like 
cereal when we were a kid just had more sugar in it it just it was just had more like we didn't care about it as much back then you know like now you had to you got to fortify it and put in vitamins and all that crap but you know not not back then with like if you're a kid in the 80s there's nothing like that there's nothing like those 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 sugary cereals of when you were a kid well then they should start marketing a different line where it does have the old like hey i don't you don't give a shit you're you as an adult full-fledged consenting adult want to eat this but all right, here it is with the original volume of marshmallows. Like, and do, do no you, do you, you know, I think, anything? I think it was about a year ago when a friend of the show, Wally Wingert, was telling Dan and I that you can order just the marshmallows themselves online and put wow. as many as you want into the into your cereal. Oh, custom, man, there does have to be a line. Custom. Uh, <laughs> you can't trust me with that information. Yeah, Mark's going to just bust well, them up are... into a line and just fucking <laughs> snort them off the table. <laughs> There's just like, Pink ooze coming out of my nose. <laughs> Mark, you've got sugar boogers again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my word. Literally, sugar boogers. God damn, god damn, god damn. <laughs> you got to do that in the booberry voice, though. <laughs> and then, of course, you end up at, uh, at uh, what's his name, Eric's house. Uh, he's got to yeah. give you a shot of adrenaline uh-huh. right under a fruit brood box. whole thing comes full circle. Because of that Did one it. movie, Pulp Fiction. Speaking of movies, I think we've we've <sighs> been making them wait long enough. We've got some interviews with some movie stars. Yeah, big ones, big movie stars. Well, big movie stars, stars yes. in a little animated movie. Uh, Magic interview machine. Stop making us wait. Let's go ahead and listen to Katie Sackoff and Josh Dumel tell us all about this exciting, barely one year old movie. Uh, take it away. Hi, Katie. How are you? I'm I'm dynamite. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm so good. Thank you. Wow. What a thrill it is to talk to you. Uh, Pop culture icon. You've played (sighs) Kara Thrace, Bo-Katan, the blacksmith on The Flash. You're currently the darling of the WB animated movies, playing Poison Ivy, Detective Essen, and more recently, you're Judy in Night of the Animated Dead. Mm. Mm. Uh, and so I want to share a little yeah. story real quick. If you'll bear with me, when I was eight or nine Please. years old, my father would uh, let me stay up on Saturday nights and watch Night of the Living Dead with him on the late night TV shows. And then at the first commercial, he would send me downstairs to get sodas out of the basement. And as soon as I hit that bottom stair, he would shut off the lights and start yelling, they're coming to get you, Jimmy. They're coming to get you. So, so <laughs> I have a real Your dad is very similar to my dad. Yeah, he I have a real tangible fear of abandonment and parental abuse associated with this movie. So I'm wondering, what is your relationship to the original Romero classic? Beautiful, beautiful. I'm so glad that our parents do these kind of things to us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I am definitely afraid of sharks because my father showed me Jaws when I was seven years old. <laughs> um, so. We have that we have we you know, it is what it is. Right. Um, right. Right. Um, I, I watched this movie for the first time. I know I snuck it. So I was probably in junior high, even though I feel like I was in high school um, or, you know, watched this for the first time. And it, it was so important, you know, and scared the living crap out of me. Um, and and, you know, it 
it opened the door for a, a character type that that is littered all over our film and television. You know, mm. um, it's it's uh, so to be a part of it is is really 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 cool. You are known for the badass, as I mentioned before, and so many others. But you are playing a bit of, uh, I feel, forgive me, a wimpy character in this one, and you've really changed your voice a lot for this role, in my opinion. Can you tell me how you approached it? Oh, thank you. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's the same thing, the same way that I approach every character. You know, I, I really try to figure out what it is that makes them complicated, what it is that they want. Um, and then you just hold on to that throughout. Right. But with something like this, you know, one of the reasons I got into animation so many years ago was because I was being allowed to play characters that I would, that I would not be given the opportunity to, to portray in live action. Um, and, um, this is no different. I think that we, for better or worse, get typecast when when we do something well in this industry. That seems to be the thing that you get plucked for. Um, and so, you know, because I had the opportunity to work with Michael Luisi before and, and he knew me personally, this was something that he called up and asked if I wanted to do. And, and I jumped at the opportunity um, because to challenge yourself to, to um, convey something with just a voice is so much fun to me. I love manipulating my voice to, to elicit a response from the listener. Um, and, and so I, I love, I love this. I love her. I love that she is stereotypical a little bit, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, so, so well done in that you're barely recognizable in this performance. It's nobody, I don't think anybody's going to say, Hey, that's Starbucks. No, thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you for such a great performance. Yours and Tom's death are one of the ones that got uh, plussed up for this animated adventure with the gore upgrades, if you will. Uh, What do you think about overall the gore added to this this movie, the animated version? I love it. Um, You know, I, I love sometimes when we change the the medium and uh, we're allowed to do things that we wouldn't normally have been allowed to do um, or even change the genre. I was saying before in another interview that, that, you know, Battlestar Galactica was allowed to be as topical as it was in 2001 because it was sci-fi. It wasn't real. So we were left alone by the network to create stories that were, um, ripped out of the headlines in 2001 and um, thought-provoking and and um, hard to watch at times. That's, that's what you get to do when you are, are sort of, you, you get to slide under the res of the package you're wrapped up in. And that, this is just one more of those, those, those examples. Mm-hmm. What do you think, uh, by by this animated version a little bit of it with the the pumped up uh gore which um and i i think that people will Mm -hmm. be excited and surprised that it's respectful of what romero created 
um, but puts it in a different package for a for the old audience to enjoy again, but for a new audience to find. Um, and it's perfectly timed at a time of year when everybody wants to watch scary movies. <laughs> well said. Well said. <laughs> as I uh, as I mentioned, you are currently one the darling of the WB animated scene. You were recently Poison Ivy in Batman: The Long Halloween. And Detective Essen in Batman Year One that's remastered and coming out in November, I believe. Mm-hmm. So similar to this role as, as Judy, I thought you really changed your voice and really slid into the role as Poison Ivy. I wanted, I was wondering what aspects of aspects of Poison Ivy do you most associate with? Um, I think what I love so much about that character is I think how misunderstood she is. I think that we have just scratched the surface of who this woman really is. And I think we get a glimpse of it in her, her world that she creates for Bruce when she's got control of him. I think that we see a little bit about who this woman is and what she actually wants and her vulnerability and her insecurities and her desires. You know, she plays into capturing men's and and other people's desires very well but we don't know what hers are and i think that this is this is uh the first time that we have gotten a glimpse of that and it's a really sad thing and and so i love how complicated she is and and i think sometimes um characters can be made too simple um and i think when we we complicate them we give them nuance and and layers and makes them much more fun to watch. Well, you also were, as I mentioned, that's a pretty big Batman story. And as I mentioned, uh, you're in Batman Year One, another big one as far as the Bat mythos goes as Detective Essen. You play a pretty big, significant role in the story as far as Mm -hmm. Jim Gordon is concerned. Can you talk a little bit about her role in Batman Year One? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that she is a support system for him, you know, and, and the story of Jim Gordon is is so important to Batman because he he is the support system. And I, you know, that's what I, I like about her is that that she is, you know, um, she's smart. She's very smart um, and capable um, and, you know, it helps us understand him a bit better as well, which I like about her, um, which I think is her role yeah, as well. Yeah. Do you, I, I think that, uh, slight little off topic, if I may, I think she was an angel, but, uh, what was Starbuck mm. to you? <laughs> um, gosh, she was a teacher mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. You know, she taught me so much about uh, strength and honesty and vulnerability. And um, I, it was a great role for me um, at that time of my life. Thank you, Katie. Thanks so much for your time. And uh, thank you. I, thank do me a favor. Me. Enjoy the rest of your day. All right. Thanks, Gary. Josh, how are you today? I'm all right, man. How are you? 
I'm dynamite. I'm dynamite. Thanks for asking. Uh, uh, my name's Jimmy. I'm with Bleeding Cool. I was, on a, I was, I was at the. Hey Jimmy, I was at a, I was at a, a football game yesterday, and and uh, one of the guys, I asked one guy, how's life, and he says it's taking forever. <laughs> so I'm hoping, to, I'm hoping somebody asks me how's life going today. Oh man, yeah, it's taking forever. That's Dude, brutal. That's so dark. That's brutal. Um, we only had we 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 talked a little bit about uh, the long Halloween and your performance as Two Face a little while ago, and and the outside chance I didn't get to lather them up enough last time. You absolutely stole that movie with your performance of Two Face. Uh, Jensen isn't here to defend himself, so you were oh, you were marvelous, you. magnificent. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thanks so much. Uh, yeah, yeah, very good. And so while they got you in the booth, we're going to make Night of the Animated Dead, and you play the pro. Well, I wanted to ask you: Do you think Harry might be the protagonist? Uh, when everybody listens to Ben, uh, none of his ideas or actions really work, and they cause the death of other people. So, do you think Harry might be the low-key protagonist of this movie, since he has the right idea of hiding in the cellar? Well, I think that, you know, anytime, whenever I'm playing a character like this who's perceived to be the antagonist, I don't, I try not to listen to that and try to get myself in, in into their head and see the world through, through their eyes. And, you know, yes, he was an agitating sort of uh, curmudgeon in a lot of ways, but at the same time, you got to understand that this guy's daughter was sick in the basement and and uh, may or may not be infected by whatever's coming at them outside. And, you know, that doesn't necessarily bring out your best qualities. You're, you're in straight survival mode. And I think that that's what we're seeing in this guy is that he doesn't give a shit about anybody's, you know, feelings or, or what they think. He just truly wants to get through the night. And, you know, if you look at it in retrospect, maybe his idea was best to go into the cellar. Um, Personally, I would have done what what Ben did. I would have tried to fight fight him off at the threshold of the front door. And if we have to retreat to the cellar, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, uh, you know, it's easy. It's easy to, you know, see the world in hindsight and, and and maybe, maybe they would have survived had, had, uh, you know, they followed Harry's plan, but then it wouldn't have been nearly as interesting of a movie, would it? Right, right. Would have been over pretty quick. It's yeah. You mentioned that's it, pretty easy to. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty easy to armchair quarterback a zombie apocalypse, right? Like, uh, what do you? I I know you've been asked this <laughs> exactly. probably more than a couple times today, but now it's my turn. What are you going to do in the event of a zombie apocalypse? Or what would you do? Well, I don't know if I'm going to go out and I don't know. If, I'll probably try to find shelter. I'd, pro- I'd probably try to find a situation just like this where you have a house that you can board up and there's only one way in. And I just try to knock every one of you, you know, out as you come through the door and try to take them out one by one. Uh, the problem is that it's just like this never ending wave of zombies. And, you know, at some point they're going to probably overtake you. So do you try to get out into the world and, and, and just run for them? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I hope I don't have to make that decision. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully we'll never find out. Um, what do you, when I was a kid. Maybe, maybe like the Omega, maybe, maybe the, maybe the Omega variant of COVID is going to turn people into zombies. Oh man. That would be some, some major foreshadowing for the last uh, 60, 70 years, right? <laughs> oh God. <laughs> 
my no, please God, let it be done. Right. Make it stop. My uh, my father, when I was eight years old, would let me stay up and watch this movie uh, Saturday nights on the Late Show. And about the first commercial, he would send me down into the basement to get some sodas and shut the lights off and start screaming, they're coming to get you, Jimmy, and just scare the living bejesus out of me <laughs> as a kid. So what is your relationship? Oh, he did that? Yeah, yeah, true story. Uh, uh, what is your relationship to oh, this movie? amazing. That's so funny that he did that. I got to do My son is at that stage right now where he doesn't want to go into a room, any, any room without, like, he, he's, like, terrified. Of, he's got this huge imagination, so... He wants me to go with him to every room now. I'm like, dude, you're fine. We're, you know, it's, we're good. But, you know, in their his little eight-year-old mind, he's every, <laughs> around every corner is going to be a zombie or something. Uh, what was the question? Oh, I was, what was your relationship to this original movie? Had... Oh, uh, I think I saw it way back, uh, you know, years ago. But didn't really, really pay attention to it until I found out I was going to be doing this and watched it, you know, through a different lens, obviously. And, you know, I've never been a huge zombie fan. Uh, it's not really my favorite types of movies, but I can respect what this, what, you know, how groundbreaking this was at the time. And, and this sort of set in motion a whole genre of zombie films since then. And so I watched, I tried to watch it to see, like, what is it about this thing that people can't get enough of? And it just keeps kind of recreating itself. And it's this, I think it's his mental sort of, it's his mental maze that you're sort of forced into. And, and how do I get myself out of this? Because they're not like these crazy, fast, super strong creatures that come out. It's like this slow-moving wave of, of you know, wandering dead people and how do you and there is a way to kill them yet they just keep coming and i think that there's this feeling of being trapped or or, or or what is the best way out do i run do i try to find shelter do i try to pick them off one by one and it's i found myself yelling at the screen like no what are you doing you dummy you gotta keep running <laughs> you know like run faster or just stay on the road don't run into a tree what are you running into a tree for just stay on the road and just keep driving run over them if you have to uh, but you know that's part of the fun of these movies is is second guessing the the, the 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 characters in the movie and is that what you've done or is it, was it smart or stupid and um, I think that that's kind of what it is 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 this this armchair quarterbacking of what's actually happening on screen. Yeah, it's for me and uh, my friends and I were talking the other night. It's a little bit like a superhero movie where you know. If I had those superpowers, what would I do? You know, how would I do it? And like you were saying, like, for me, what would I do in that situation? Would I grab a table leg or would I, you know, just run him over? I, I, you, you pointed that out. That movie would, would have been over pretty quick if she could have just got out of the cemetery, right, in the car without hitting anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> A glorious day. And a complete breakfast with Booberry. Huh? Into the waves, Boo. Bye bye. <laughs> Frankenberry has strawberry flavored sweeties. Count Chocula has chocolate sweeties. <laughs> and Booberry with berry flavored sweeties. <laughs> and here are the mini monsters. Five monsters in all. You can trade them with friends and put on a show. One mini monster in specially marked boxes of the monster cereals. Oh, monster uh, sweetie! Yes, 
Once again, making the occult easier for children to access with trading cards. <laughs> I don't know if you guys ever noticed, but the little, the actual shapes of monster cereals are cer little circles with little crosses in them. It's very occulty. That's it's, not true. It is. If you guys look at them, they're, they're little circles with little in crosses which ones? in them. All of them. I'm not talking about the marshmallow shapes because those have become the sweeties. I assume. Yeah, the little sweeties. Yeah, the That's little we've never addressed. They always refer to chocolate favored sweeties. <laughs> but is that the marshmallow or the fake grain? I think I think they've called the marsh. I believe, if I remember my my monster cereal uh, lingo, I think the I think you call those monster mellows. And then the sweeties are the little, you know, fiber. Okay. They are. I think they're called monster marshmallows, so they don't get sued because they're not marshmallows. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think they're monster mellows. I think is what they're called. So yeah, you're not 100. You're saying and, uh, and, let's go. Maybe not all the way up to canon, but at least allegedly, we're gonna yeah. we're gonna assume it's a combination of very few monster mellows and a whole bunch of sweeties. Yes, chocolate makeup yes, your typical monster sweeties. cereal. Yes. Yes. Can we agree on that at least, gentlemen? Yes, yeah. and they're shaped like the occult. Here, here. And okay, stop air, air. trying to put that air, air. in. Arumph. And and fruit brute is purposely spelled F R U T E. So yes. no one confuses it with the actual fruit. <laughs> yeah, and I think you actually can't copyright the word, you know, the actual word fruit. So you have to call it something in you know, well, I'm not, I don't even copyright the, the word boo, but they use that instead of blue because there's no such thing as a booberry. But it's not really socially Mark. acceptable to call you a fruit anymore, is it, Mark? Is it? I mean, it's 2022. <laughs> you kind of um, covered in woos. Yes. And once again, weeds. Jimmy coming in proving he is the elder statesman here Hot. from <laughs> another generation. Uh, so that uh, that was it. I guess uh, one more hand, everybody, for uh, Katie Sackoff mm -hmm. and Josh Dumel, and of course mm -hmm. the fabulous interviewing skills of young Jimmy Lozinski. Uh, Jimmy, so best cantankerous. I love it. Yes, and and a peek behind the curtain at that psyche. What with all the psychological abuse you suffered at your father's hands, it, it does explain a lot. So That's he kicked whole... you down the stairs. He like kicked you down the and you rolled down the stairs. No, He's he like, was. Ah, you're scared. He he was very nice about it. He said, "Yeah, man, go get us some sodas because that's where we kept them in the basement." And uh, but hurry up because you know it was a commercial break. We didn't have a pause button back then. This would have been appointment TV. And uh, sure enough, every time I'm like, "Don't do it! Don't do! Don't you do it! Don't you do it!" Sure enough, bottom step, click. Uh, and you little... never once thought to just bring the sodas up before the movie started. No, I, well, I think that was part of his plan, but also we had, you know, it had a light switch at the top and the bottom of the stairs, but I was so, I was so scared that I never thought to just turn the lights back on myself because I was at the bottom. Little, yeah. little just Jimmy Charlie Brown keeps trying to kick that football, man, right? but just did not work. That's right. Although, from a tactical point of view, I would assume the basement is where you would want to go anyway, if the zombies are coming. Well, uh, yeah, not after watching wrong? that movie because this... that's where well, the little yeah, girl zombies down there. Well, yeah, if you guys watch this movie, and... yeah, I think that's mm, kind of the wise thing to do. Uh, yeah, a little I something guess. called uh, Night of the Living Dead. I don't know if you've heard of it. Yeah, I think hmm. you kind of should just go into the basement. But, uh... So once again, our thanks to Night of the Animated Dead uh, uh -huh. as a title, a bit on the nose, but hey, sometimes low-hanging fruit is the sweetest. Uh, thanks yeah, thanks to yeah. Gary over at WB. 
Yep. And uh, thanks to Bleeding Cool for uh, letting me do these interviews. Yep. Yep. Another shout out to Bleeding Cool. Uh, and oh. I guess is that the end of the show? I mean, I mean, it it could be if only. <laughs> well, as always, we like to keep a note of suspense, but theoretically, if you stick around and wait after the uh, a couple of seconds of silence, perhaps. Maybe. Once again, we will be able to tune in to the clairvoyant wavelengths of Monsterpiece Theater. <laughs> Monsterpiece Theater, baby. Another happy All tradition. dependent on if we can actually produce the segment <laughs> and also if the spirits allow it to but come out on time. Yeah. If the river don't rise, Shane. The river don't rise. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, going going back to 2016 in our very first episode, we actually we had our hands on one of the original um, monster serial scripts, and uh, at yes, the time, all it was just... recordings of the actual uh, like 60s era cartoon yeah. commercial were but, gone. Sorry to interrupt. Quick editor's note here. Uh, actually, it turns out that commercial has been unearthed. They just found it in the General Mills archive. It was just released a couple of months ago, and you can find it on YouTube under Booberry Lost Commercial. All right, back to the show. Yes. We had to go back, I believe, to the Library of Congress yes, to find we had the to, script. Yes, we had to petition. We had to do a Freedom of Information Act. We had to get Nicholas Cage to go yep. fucking break into the <laughs> Library of Congress. Yeah. Thank you, Daryl Issa, for coming through for that. I'm just kidding. He's an asshole. Um, and then so, uh, but uh, yeah, we yeah, we had to we had to we had to get Ooh, our hands on an actual 1970s era script because I think it only came out in the 70s. But and um, because we care about this culture, we took it upon ourselves to recreate to recreate it. Yes, and At we did a great job in a radio format that, and we did such a mediocre job that we dropped that format almost immediately. Uh, and now we've just been finding in the vaults, uh, yeah, all these uh, many, many attempts. It seems I think would might maybe be the through line uh, for them to use the monster serials to reboot uh, in mm -hmm. various genres, and uh, who knows what the future holds now, but become a tradition we we fish in the vaults and we see if we can get something and boy they've got a long history i bet we can find something oh i'm i'm sure mm. i'm sure we wow can. Uh -huh. okay here we go just in case we don't <laughs> this right here would be enough i would say some say too much <laughs> yeah i wish <laughs> i think I, I think it should have ended 20 minutes ago but but, but here we are uh, there are those who say <laughs> would anybody like to talk the about Halloween their best special <laughs> should have ended seven years ago but here we are and it's either over hmm. or if you have the guts you Suspense. can stick around and find out if there's a spooky all right that's enough of this now we know and knowing is half the battle <laughs> Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, stop. Whew, a lot of breath. Uh, okay, good news. Uh, we just got it done. I mean, we just found it in the archives. Uh, so, everybody, ladies and gentlemen, we're pleased to present Monsterpiece Theater 2022. A brief look back at when the monsters tried to reboot themselves based on the hit movie Heat. Enjoy! He's here. I can feel it. You search for the fruity scent of your prey and then hunt them down. That's the only thing 
that you're committed to. Keeps me crisp in the milk where I gotta be. It's a glorious day. Don't let yourself get attached to anything you're not willing to pour milk on in 30 seconds flat if you feel the heat around the corner. My life is soggy whole grains because I spend all my time chasing monster metals like you around the board. I do what I do best. I stay sweet and crispy in milk. You do what you do best. Try to harsh my mellow. Your chocolate sweeties floating around with no monster mellows. Because she's got a great bowl and your booberry sweeties are all up in it. From the mills of the general and part of a nutritious breakfast. A monster mash of chocolate, blueberry, strawberry, and whatever the hell fruit, fruit, and yummy mummy are supposed to be. Well, you know, for me, the action is the juice. Yummy Mummy has to get it on. These monsters are good. It ain't worth the risks you take. Like in risks versus rewards, sweetie. Give me all the chocolate flavor you got. Their delicious monster mellows and sweeties raised a generation of Big Boat Americans. If I'm there and I gotta put you away, I won't like it. But I'll take it. You are going down. If you do get me boxed in, because no matter what, you will not get in my way. I will not hesitate for a second to drop you like a Frankenstein. Bella Lugosi as Count Chocula, Boris Karloff as Frankenberry, and Peter Lorre as Booberry. In a General Mills production. Crispy. Crispy.